0: Well, good morning. Uh, about a year ago, a little over a year ago, this time of year, last year, uh, my wife had several different friends that, uh, were moving out, uh, on their own for the first time. Both of them were married, but they'd been living with their family as they got started in their, in their, uh, life together. And they were making that move to, to freedom, in a sense. Uh, young couples, uh, starting out on their own and, and Caitlin and I, uh, of course, being fairly newly married ourselves were, were kind of, uh, you know, we, we were excited for them because we had just kind of gone through that ourselves and, and one of the things that uh, happened during that time was one day I came home and all my furniture was gone. Alright, maybe that, maybe not exactly like that. Uh, but I came home one day, and my wife wanted to give away my furniture. Uh, she didn't like my couch very much that I'd had for several years, that I'd grown very fond of, that I'd uh, uh, actually had gotten for free from somebody one time when I didn't have a bed, and I had had to sleep on it because I was a poor college student, and had been through a lot together. And she wanted to give it away. And she wanted to give away... Our dresser, and our table, and our coffee table, and my my uh, um, oh, I can't remember the, the kind of like a coffee table, but they uh, you put your feet up on them ottoman ottoman, and, and uh, <clears throat> it caused a little bit of a disagreement within our relationship. Um, you see, my wife comes from a family that is very generous. And if any of you know my wife's uh, father Fred Klinkabel, he they've attended church over here at Southside in the past you know he's a very very generous man and 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 so my wife picks up that same kind of uh, personality uh, she she's a generous person and so when her friends had need she saw an opportunity to get new furniture no 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 really she knew that we had the ability and the to to go out and replace the things that we might give away. And so she wanted to be a blessing to her friends. And as a result, we we were, we were able to give uh give away some of the furniture that we had and and uh, it was a blessing uh for her friends uh, as they started off having a place to sit down, something as simple as a place to sit down. Well, this morning we're going to pick up in the in the book of Acts in chapter 2, and we're going to see a church that is generous. We're going to see that people saw their possessions not as something to hold on to, but as something to share with those in need. And so let's look at Acts chapter 2, 42 through 47, as we continue our series of what it means to be the church. And we model ourselves after Acts chapter 2 in that early church. Verse 42... They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and a fellowship, to the breaking of bread and a prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and they ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. See, their generosity was something that was a, a clearly identifiable trait of the early church. In Acts chapter 4, we read a passage last week at the end of Acts chapter 4 that's a similar summary statement of what the church was going through uh, uh, in, in a few years later, a few months later, maybe down the road. In Acts chapter 4 this week, we can see in verse 34 and 35 that this idea of their generosity is remarked upon again. It's, it's told again. The uh, author of Acts, Luke, thought it noteworthy to record these words in 34 and 35. For there was not a needy person among them, for all who were owners of land or houses would sell them and bring the proceeds of their sales and lay them at the apostles' feet, and they would distribute to each other as they had, as any had need. And this is remarkable because what we see here is a group of people, uh, literally thousands of people at this time who were, were that early church, and they were meeting each other's needs. And that was one of the things that people took note of. And they said, something's different about this group of people because they're even selling their land, their possessions, and giving to each other. And they're giving to the apostles. So they're they're being generous with the, what they own, what they possess. So this morning, as we look at what it means to truly be the church, we, we can model what we do here at Southside after the early church by being generous, by being generous people. So what does that look like? Well, generosity can come in, in many forms. Uh, first of those is that generosity can come in the giving of our time. And we see that in Colossians chapter three, uh, verses twenty-three through twenty-four, where it shows us that uh, a form of generosity is our acts of service. In verse twenty-three, it says, "Whatever you do, work at it with all your heart, as working for the Lord, not for human masters, since you knew that you, since you know that you will receive an, an inheritance from the Lord as a reward. It is the Lord Christ that you are serving." See, I I think that it's important for us to understand that when we are generous to people, who are we really serving? What does this verse tell us? Well, our service is to the Lord. And so the early church understood and recognized this fact that when they were generous to other people, they were being generous to God himself. Okay, so our generosity comes in the form of time. So, so this can take many, many different uh, ways uh, in our life, uh, avenues in our life. We, it's giving our time and our abilities, right? We're going to get into abilities a little bit more. But uh, a listening ear to a friend in need is being generous. It's saying that they are important enough to give your time. Uh, yesterday morning we had our, uh, our men's breakfast. And uh, I don't know about you guys, but if you were able to get outside yesterday... But it was a beautiful, amazing day, right? And those men, I'm so proud of them, because they took time out of their morning, their beautiful morning, and they came down to fellowship together. That's being generous with your time, and giving our service to the Lord. Uh, a few weeks back uh, at, uh, at one of our men's breakfast, right afterwards, I was gone, I was out of town, I had a coaching's clinic that I was attending, and, and uh, someone had need of assistance. And so several of those men jumped to the occasion, they, they rose to the occasion, they, they jumped at the opportunity to serve, and they spent an additional time in their morning uh helping someone move a stove. Okay, those that's what I'm talking about, being generous with our time, being generous with our service is serving the Lord and is a part of the act of giving. The second one is giving of our abilities. In First Peter chapter four, verse 10, it says, "Each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of god 's grace in its various forms." And I love this because in, especially in First Peter 4:10 there, it shows that, that we are to be stewards of our abilities. And often we think of stewardship as financial stewardship. We need to give, we need to tithe, we need to uh, be generous in that manner. But this verse says that our stewardship is also of our abilities. Uh, our, our time is a resource. Our giftedness, our talents, the, the things that God's given us that we do well are a resource to be shared and to be given We need to be generous with our time. We need to be generous with our abilities. third one here, the one that I'm sure that is uh, most uncomfortable for us, is the giving of our resources. We need to be generous with our monetary funds. Now, it's tempting to kind of just slide by this one and not talk about it. Nobody likes to be uh, preached at about money, right? Okay, you're probably looking at your clock. What time is it? Are we about? Is he about done? Right? We don't like it. I, I, honestly, I'm new to to being a, a teaching pastor, and so I haven't had a lot of opportunity yet to teach about money, uh, and it's frankly not something I'm looking forward to. <laughs> but Jesus Himself spent a lot of time talking about the use of our funds and how we spend our money and how generous we are. With the financial resources that God has given to us, and so there's an expectation that God has placed upon us. In Proverbs chapter three, verse nine, it says, "To honor the Lord with your wealth and with the first fruits of all your crops." The first fruits, and and, and I just want to highlight this this morning. We could talk about giving a lot for weeks. We could we could I'm not going to do that, but maybe someday, right? Uh, but not not right now. But we could talk about it a lot. But what I want to highlight here from Proverbs is that when we honor God with our wealth and our, res- our monetary resources, it says it comes from what portion of our income? The first portion. Right? It's really tempting for us to give what's left over. And I don't know about you, but at the end of the month, there's not much left over. And yet that seems to be the common characteristic of giving today. But God expects us to give from the first from the best. Being generous with our money is important. And we see that reflected in the early church when they gave their possessions. And 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 we see that in the book of Acts where people were honored because of what they gave financially. And they sold their possessions. They sold pieces of property. They sold uh, things that they owned. And they brought that money and they helped support those who were in need. Giving is a spiritual discipline. And it's it's difficult. It wouldn't be called, again, a discipline if it didn't take effort for us to do it. Uh, Giving is the mark of a mature believer. These things are important for us to understand if we want to be generous. Because it would be really easy. It's really easy for me to say, you know, I give a lot of my time. And so I don't need to give of my resources because I'm already being generous over here. That's not what God calls us to. Right? It would be really easy to say, you know what, I've devoted my my whole life to serving God, my profession even. Okay? I've sacrificed. Maybe, you know, if I, if I would have uh, earned an equal degree out there in a secular world, in the business world, I'd be making a whole lot more money than I would uh, preaching or teaching or working with kids, right? So it's easy for me to say, well, I'm giving him my abilities. I'm giving him my giftedness. I don't need to give him my money. that's not what he's called us to. He's called us to be generous in all three of these areas. It's a combination. Being generous with our, our time, our service. Being generous with our abilities, the gifts that God has given us. And being generous with our resources, our monetary funds. We need to honor the Lord in all of those areas, from the first fruits of our crops. So, we've talked a little bit here. We've discussed a little bit about what it looks like from our time, our talents, and our resources. But I want to take a step back and say a couple things about what generosity is not. Okay, We looked at what it is a little bit. What it is not. The first one is that generosity is not about an amount. Right? It's not about an amount. It's not about a set amount of time that we need to give. It's not about a set amount of, of our resource, our abilities that we give. Or not just a set amount of our money that we're to give. And this is illustrated best in Luke chapter 21, where we see the story of a widow, the widow's might. You probably are familiar with this story. This story tells us how uh, God expects a sacrifice, not an amount, but a sacrifice. We had a a saying at one of my past churches that was equal sacrifice, not equal giving. Right? We all are called to give sacrificially. We're not called to give a specific amount. And in Luke chapter 21, we see this story. (coughs) Excuse me. As Jesus looked up, 21 verse 1, as Jesus looked up, he saw the rich putting their gifts into the temple treasury. He also saw a poor widow put in two very small copper coins. Truly, I tell you, he said, this poor widow has put in more than all the others. All these people gave their gifts out of their wealth, but she, out of her poverty, put in all that she had to live on. See, whether it be two pennies or... Two thousand dollars or two million dollars. It's about sacrifice. It's not, it's about our heart. It's not about an amount. It's not about a total. So the first thing generosity is not about, it's not about the total that we give. Uh, I I saw this quote. I I thought this was very appropriate. It says, anyone who thinks that they are, that they are too small to make a difference has never tried to fall asleep with a mosquito in the room. Okay? That little tiny mosquito makes a big difference when you're trying to sleep, right? A a little tiny gift can make a big difference when it's given with a generous heart. Okay, Because I believe that God blesses generosity. He doesn't bless a dollar amount. He blesses the gift of the heart, not the gift of the paycheck or the, the, the total on the check. What else is it not about? Well, it's not about recognition, See, in the early church, in, in the book of Acts, we see that people were doing this right and left and, and the apostles were actually becoming kind of overwhelmed and we see that, that, uh, that they actually had to rise up new leaders and appoint new leaders to help handle the distribution of some of the funds and to make sure that people got cared for and that the needs were met of the early church so that they could devote themselves to the teaching and to the praying and evangelism. And we see that there were men that were recognized for the gifts that they were given. In Acts chapter 5, we see a result of that. We see the story of Ananias and Sapphira. You might be familiar with this. I would encourage you to read it. We're not going to read the whole story this morning, but it comes from Acts chapter 5, verses 1 through 11, where Ananias and Sapphira saw people be recognized for their giving. And they had a piece of property that they could sell, and so they they sold their piece of property, and they they got a nice uh, amount of money for it, and they they, uh, were plotting together, and they decided to give money to the church. And so they brought money before uh, the elders, and they said, here is our gift, we sold our piece of property, and this is everything that we got from it. But they had got a good deal, and they would held back some of the money for themselves. So to make themselves look better, they said, it's all about, this is everything. And what happened to Ananias and Sapphira? The Holy Spirit used them as an example, right? And they ended up dying as a result of their deceiving. All they had to do was be honest, right? But they wanted the recognition. They wanted the pat on the back for being generous. And they could have been, right? They could have been generous with a portion of the funds, but their heart wasn't right. They were in it for the recognition. It's not about recognition, you know, uh, just uh, sitting over here when I was listening to Doug, uh, I, this wasn't in my, in my plan this morning, but he brought up something that I think is very important also when we understand giving. That it's not about punching our ticket, right? It's not about checking off a box, in Matthew, or excuse me, in, in Mark chapter 10, there's a story of a young man who comes before Jesus, and he, and he says, Jesus, what do I need to do to get in this eternal life that you're talking about? And Jesus says, well, you need to have followed the Ten Commandments. And the guy's like, yes, I've done that. <laughs> check, 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 all ten. I've done them all. I've kept them, I've kept them faithfully. And Jesus says, alright, now what's time for? You're pretty wealthy. Why don't you sell everything you have, give it to the poor, and come follow me? The young man walked away, dejected, because he couldn't do that. He couldn't give up his wealth, because he saw this relationship with God as a bunch of boxes to be checked, saying, I've done this, okay, I can move on to the next one. I've done this, and if I do all of these things right, then I get my reward. His heart wasn't in it. It was for what he could get out of it, right? He didn't have a generous heart. It's not about what we can earn. And it's not about punching our ticket to heaven. So how is generosity best expressed? And here I'm talking about attitude, not about action, but our, our attitude. How do we express generosity? Well, in 2 Corinthians chapter 9... Uh, there's a, a passage here that I really like and this morning I'm going to read this passage from the message. I'm not sure if you're familiar with uh, the message. It's a Bible. Um, I hesitate to call it a translation. Uh, it's more a, a paraphrase uh, that I, I picked one up here recently. I, I got it because I wanted something just for kind of a devotional reading. And uh, I, I saw one recently and I'd read a passage and I liked it and I thought that'd be really nice to read during my devotional time. I don't use it for study, but I love the way that it told uh, the story of some stuff that was happening in the church. But in 2 Corinthians chapter 9, we're going to look at verses 6 and 7. Verses 6 and 7. It says, remember, a stingy planter gets a stingy crop. A lavish planter gets a lavish crop. I want each of you to take plenty of time to think it over and make up your own minds what you will give. That will protect you against sob stories and, and arm twisting. God loves it when the giver delights in the giving. I love that phrasing. God loves it when the giver delights in their giving. When we delight in our giving, we're not doing it out of out of someone uh, convincing us, uh, arguing us to give, uh, telling us that we're not a good enough Christian if we don't give. It's saying that you give from a cheerful heart, right? <coughs> so generosity is best expressed from a willing and cheerful heart. And it's also expressed with an understanding of why we give. You know, in in 1 John 4:19, you're probably familiar with this verse too. 1 John 4:19. I've used it a couple times over the last several months. It says, "We love because He first loved us." Okay, we love others, we love God because He showed us His love first. Okay, so we love because He loved. In Colossians chapter 3, verse 13, it ends with this. It says, "Forgive as the Lord has forgiven you." Okay, so we, we forgive because we've been forgiven. It's a lot easier for me to understand forgiveness because I have experienced forgiveness from God. Just like it's a lot easier for me to understand and give love because I felt God's love in my life. In James chapter 1, verse 17, it says this, if I can get my notes. It says, every gift, every good and perfect gift comes from above coming down from the Father of the heavenly lights, who does not change like shifting shadows. So I want us to apply this same principle, that we love because he loved us. We forgive because he's forgiven us. And we give because he's given us. And he's given to us a priceless gift. And so why do we give to others? In recognition of that. In thankfulness of that, in appreciation for what God has done for us. So let's jump back for the last portion of our our time together this morning and look at the the book of Acts again. So we see we've been talking about Acts chapter 2 and and this church which is vibrant and growing. And and we see them doing amazing things and committed to, to core principles of the faith. And as a result, God is blessing them in amazing ways. Thousands of people are being added to the kingdom. Day to day, God is adding people to this growing church. But it didn't just continue like that. See, as they grew, as their, their numbers increased, as their influence on the community increased, so did their, their uh, ability to attract attention of those in the city. And as they attracted more and more attention, uh, people in authority started to take notice. And one of those was King Agrippa. King Agrippa I took notice and he began to lead the charge against the church. He brought down heavy persecution upon them. All the believers, including killing the Apostle James in about 42 to 44 A.D. Uh, James, the brother of John, one of the sons of thunder, one of those closest friends of Jesus, was put to death by King Agrippa as a response to this influence that the church was gathering. And so it wasn't long until the people, uh, became afraid and they, and they started to scatter. They fled Jerusalem. And because of that, there were some good things that took place. The, the gospel went with them. But the people that were left were fractured and they were hurting. They were scared. They were persecuted. So here's what's amazing that took place is now that Jerusalem, this core, that had started it all, that had been so generous and amazing with the believers as they began, started to be helped by the church of those who scattered and the church plants of the apostles. The church responded. And as Paul and the other apostles planted churches throughout the Roman Empire, the new believers raised money to support their brothers and sisters in Christ who were under persecution in Jerusalem in 2 Corinthians chapter 8 paul talks about the corinthians church's generosity towards those in jerusalem and we're going to we're going to read that again i used the the uh the message for this portion uh, i chose to do this again because i was reading it in my devotional times this week and i was i loved how paul uh said this and 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 how it's communicated through the message translation now friends I want to report on the surprising and generous ways in which God is working in the churches in Macedonia province. Fierce troubles came down on the people of those churches, pushing them to the very limit. The trial exposed their true colors. They were incredibly happy, though desperately poor. The pressure triggered something totally unexpected, an outpouring of pure and generous gifts. I was there and saw it for myself. They gave offerings of whatever they could, far more than that they could afford. They were pleading for the privilege of helping out in relief of poor Christians. This was totally spontaneous, entirely their own idea, and caught us completely off guard. What explains it is what that they have first given themselves unreservedly to God uh, and then to us. The other giving simply flowed out of the purposes of God's working in their lives. That's what prompted us to ask Titus to bring the relief offering to your attention so that what was so well begun could be finished up. You do so well in so many things. You trust God. You're you're articulate. You're insightful. You're passionate. You love us. Now do your best in this too, in giving. I'm not trying to order you around against your will, but by bringing in the Macedonian's enthusiasm as a stimulus to your love, I'm hoping to bring the best out of you. You are familiar with the generosity of our our master, Jesus Christ. Rich as he was, he gave it all away for us. In one stroke, he became poor and we became rich. So here's what I think. The best thing you can do right now is to finish what you started last year and not let those good intentions grow stale. Your heart's been in the right place all along. You've got what it takes to finish it up, so go to it. Once the commitment is clear, you do what you can, not what you can't. The heart regulates the hands. This passage is amazing to me. You have a group of Christians that have just undergone persecution themselves. And they're begging and pleading for the right to give more to the people, the church in, in Jerusalem. And he's saying, don't let, don't let down on that. C- carry through with it. Because Jesus has given so much to you. Be generous with this church as well. And then finally it says that phrase that I love so much. The heart regulates the hands. See, if we give, if we are generous without our heart behind it, then then we kind of are practicing a form of Ananias and Sapphira's mistake. God has asked us to be generous. He expects us to be generous because of how generous that he's been with us. But it has to come from our heart. I told you last week that I was going to share the story of our of our camp scholarship program. Uh, we've renamed it the Bill and Muriel McRae camp scholarship program because of somebody who's allowed their heart uh, to direct their hands. And a few as a year and a year and a half ago or so, uh, Bill was looking for a way to serve. God was calling him to be generous and Bill's retired and Bill's faced some, some health issues that he struggled with. And yet he heard God's calling of generosity upon his heart. So you know what Bill did? Couldn't write a check, but he could collect pop cans. And so Bill has been faithfully collecting pop cans now for about a year and a half, Bill. About a year and a half. And I don't have the total. The total's not really that important But I can tell you that it's in the thousands of dollars that Bill has been able to raise so that kids can come to know Jesus. So that kids can spend a week being influenced by godly men and women and taught the gospel. And I can tell you as one of our camp directors out at Camp Koinonia, who some of the kids that earn the scholarship will be at my camp, that puts a great uh, responsibility on my heart to take advantage of each and every moment that I have with the kids who are out there at camp Because Bill has been faithful to the calling of generosity. And it wasn't about an amount of time. It was about picking up a few five-cent pop cans. And God has taken that and blessed it in amazing ways. And as a result of that, you're going to see the seeds of the gospel planted in the hearts and the minds of the youth of this church. And that's amazing. That's responding with a heart. That's committed to generosity. To finish up this 2 Corinthians passage, in 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verses 8 through 11, it says this. It says, God can pour on the blessing in astonishing ways. And we've seen that with Bill's sacrifice. God can pour on the blessing in astonishing ways so that you're ready for anything and everything, more than just ready to do what needs to be done. As one psalmist puts it, he throws caution to the winds, giving to the needy and reckless abandon. His right living, right giving ways never run out. They never wear out. This most generous God who gives seed to the farmer that becomes bread for your meals is more than extravagant with you. He gives you something you can then give away, which grows not into more money, Right, not into a fatter bank account for the church, but into full-formed lives. Robust in God. Wealthy in every way. So that you can be generous in every way. Producing with us great praise to God. It says when we choose to be generous, that God is going to take that generosity in whatever form that you give it. Whether it be our time, whether it be our our giftedness, whether it be our money, and he's going to take that generosity and he's going to change lives. Do you get that? He's going to change lives. It says he's going to take that seed and he's going to grow that seed of generosity into full formed lives. In other words, people fully complete in Jesus Christ. And isn't that what we're all about? To make disciples? Right? Why do we give? Because it glorifies God and it leads other people to Jesus. I'll end with this phrase. I just, again, just thought of this as Doug was leading his community meditation. Because he did, we do. Because God did. Because he gave, so do we. That's why we're generous. Not because our our budget's short or uh, tight. Right, Not because we need more money to buy a piece of land, but because he gave to us. And we want to experience that generosity from him, and we want to give that generosity to others. Let's pray. God, we we love you so much. We love because you loved us. And Father, we appreciate your forgiveness on our lives. And as a result of that forgiveness, Father, it strengthens our relationship with the people around us because we're able to forgive, and we're all human, we all make mistakes, we all offend each other, we all let each other down, but we know that we can we can get past that because of forgiveness. And Father, you've given us so much, and so we give to you. And we give in a variety of ways, but we know that it has to be with a thankful, cheerful, generous heart. And I pray for that. I pray for that for all of us, that you'll help us to understand why. You'll help us to understand that our giving leads to such amazing things, new life in you, both for ourselves and those who are a benefit of our generosity. Thank you, Father. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, this morning, I'm going to jump into our our take-it-home real quick, Uh, a couple things that uh, you can can work on this week. The first one is to memorize our our verse of the month, which is Philippians 2, uh, verse 2. Philippians 2, verse 2. So let's say that together. Then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and of one mind. Such an important verse as we strive to be the church that God wants us to be. The second thing I'd like to challenge you all on is, is to consider a way that you can practice generosity this week. Uh, pray about how you can give a response, how you can give in response, excuse me, to what God has given you. How can you grow in giving of your time, your energy, your giftedness, and your resources? Let's take that seriously this week. The early church was committed to giving. Let's be giving people, too.